So basically we compete with extended stay hotels, but we have longer term tenants who stay with us, pay large premiums. It's a win for them. It's a win for us because when you model that out at a property, we're not talking about a large percentage. We're talking about sometimes 8% of the property, sometimes 10% of the property, those premiums make an impact. So now we go out and we buy properties under that investment model. We have private equity groups, wealth management groups who invest alongside us as well. Private investors, high net worth individuals invest you know, alongside us. And that's one of our business strategies and kind of our value add, you could say. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth season of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. Real estate investing is not rocket science, but it's not a fairy tale either. It's an incredible investment vehicle that builds and grows wealth. I have done it, and this is why so many of the wealthiest people in America and in the world, actually, invest in real estate as well. Listen in every week to learn about all the different real estate asset classes, which strategies experienced and successful investors use to live their best lives and the processes to do it. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just listen in every week to grow your knowledge along with me and to move your finances to a place where you can live an extraordinary life. This show is sponsored by my company, Blue Lake Capital, where we help passive investors grow their wealth through large multifamily investments and funds. To learn more about my company and invest in with me, visit www.bluelake-capital.com. Welcome to Ready to Scale Season 4. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode of Ready to Scale. I'm Jeanette Robinson, Director of Investor Relations with Blue Lake Capital. And today we have a very interesting guest with us, Daniel Farber, coming out of New York City. Daniel is the CEO of HLC Equity, a multi-generational real estate investment and management firm. The company was originally founded by his grandfather and then spearheaded by his mother and now is on Daniel's leadership. And very interestingly, what Daniel has been able to do during the time that he has been leading the company is he's able to take the company from a private holding group into an institutional level sponsor through a couple of different approaches that he took that we'll jump into later on in the show. And prior to that, he was a strategic consultant for large multinational corporations, including Unicredit Bank and the Renova Group. He has a Master's of Science in Real Estate Development from NYU, a post-baccalaureate, did I pronounce that right? Yeah. A business yeah. certificate from Columbia University, and a BA from Reichman University in Government, Diplomacy, and Strategy. So very interesting. Hi, Daniel. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. The first thing I have to poke at a little bit is your undergrad. Did you ever fancy a run for the White House at some point in your younger years? No, not the White House, but I definitely had, it actually plays into the whole real estate career because I definitely had in my mind a different path, which included more the path of either journalism on the one hand or diplomacy on the other hand. And I worked in those fields a little bit and realized that, you know, at the same time when I was working as a strategic consultant, we had a bucket that was kind of the political diplomacy route. And we had another bucket that was more on the business side. And I, I was much more engaged and interested in the business route and kind of the impact you can make through business versus those routes. So that's really kind of what directed me towards becoming more ingrained in, in business in general. Interesting. Yeah, I can understand and appreciate that. Definitely. 
Well, first of all, you know, before we kind of jump into the other components of the show, I think one of the things that really stands out that's of interest to our listeners is the fact that, you know, your family has been successful in having a multi-generational business. Now, being the mother of teenagers, I know that I sing the praises of real estate all day long, but my children have yet to, you know, appreciate my sentiments. So, you know, can you kind of share with us, when did the light really click for you as far as developing an authentic passion for real estate investing and, you know, kind of what's your your background story here on that? Sure, sure. So, I mean, I think that there's like many people, you know, you go in a city, you go even in rural areas and you see buildings and it's such an integral part of your life that it just, there was always this natural kind of like something that interests me. And, And then obviously there's the impact from my grandfather, who was a man who didn't set out to make real estate his career. He was an, an attorney and then he also, he had some businesses and he on his free time would kind of size up. I remember being with him sometimes and he would size up buildings and be like, okay, there's you know X amount of units here and they're making XXX and he would come to a value at it real quick. And, and so, you know, I think that that obviously definitely plays a role in the longer term, even though if you didn't realize it was playing a role when you were, you know, younger and a teenager and really not as interested in that type of thing. And so, you know, I think that it's just a development of, of interest over time. And there's the real estate aspect. And then there's also just the business aspect and the people aspect. So from the people aspect is just, you know, I'm grateful to work with some, you know, really great people and a great team that we've built over the time. And then the, the business active is just the, you know, kind of deal making and working with people and really structuring win-win deals, I think I find very exciting. So it's really those three components of the being intrigued by real estate, the people, and then just kind of, you know, business as an art. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What about out of curiosity? I don't know if you have children, but I'm assuming maybe you do. What are you trying to do intentionally with your kids to hopefully get them to carry the torch? Yeah, yeah, sure. hundred percent. So the first thing that I do is I make it clear that nobody is a given that anybody's working in a family business. I think that it's really important that people and especially children, you know, their mind be, hey, my future is, you know, what I want to make it and my aspirations and, you know, what it meant seeing people, you know, that had a lot one day and then nothing the next day and really having a huge drive, you know, to work and to build stuff. And so, you know, I mean, obviously I'm grateful for all generations, but that was definitely a big driver. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we'll see where we go from here. Yes. You know, as we journey along. All right. Well, good. So moving forward, I think that, you know, the fact that you were able to transition the company from a private holding group to an institutional level sponsor is extremely impressive and very interesting to me. So I think that listeners would also appreciate understanding how did you do that? Sure. So when I got into our business, it was primarily family holdings of retail assets, shopping centers, and some net lease assets, and, you know, a smaller size portfolio. And basically we said, hey, you know, this is really great, but if we're getting into the business, we're going to really invest in this, then we have to expand. And what are the ways we're going to expand? And this is coming out of the last recession. And there was this opportunity in multifamily, which was kind of clear when you looked at, you know, debt and basically where debt was being funded, when you looked at demographics, when you looked at just overall market dynamics, where the growth was, where cap rates were. So we saw this as kind of like a growth strategy. And then another growth strategy is whereas we were backed primarily by kind of you could call it the family office. And, you know, it was all kind of internally funded or else Perry pursue with other partners. We, as a growth strategy said, we're going to set up the right, you know, management systems and processes to be stewards of other people's capital alongside our capital. 
And that's really what kind of was the impetus from it. And that all starts from getting the right people on board. And so that's really where we put a big focus was getting the right people to join our team to really help us build this out. And we've been doing it ever since. Nice, nice. And, you know, I'm curious to ask, I'm sure other people are too, how have you navigated, you know, kind of through the pandemic and the shift in workplace culture, the hybrid model versus, you know, the return to office model? What are you all currently doing about all of that? Yeah. So, I mean, during the pandemic in the beginning, like everybody else, we didn't, you know, nobody knew what was going to happen. And so we put a whole bunch of different protocols in place in terms of at our properties. How can we, you know, A, make sure everybody was safe, B, make sure that people to the extent that the government was offering aid to pay could pay, you know, we put out letters to investors, just kind of like communicating. Actually, we started communicating on kind of a weekly basis when generally it's not nearly that much, but it was really important. We felt to communicate at that time. And so, you know, we own and operate our own property. So they're on the operational side. We, you know, just made sure that we communicated much more. Obviously the fallout was not nearly as bad as, you know, we expected it to be like many people. And then all of a sudden to our surprise and like most other people, you know, the market took off and thankfully, you know, the properties have done amazingly over the last, you know, two, three years. I definitely think that it's a big testament to the people who are operating the properties, to our property managers who really went through, you know, I mean, it's just really hard, you know, periods of time where even if it's just the fact that they have to go every day, you know, think about their own safety. So there was a lot operationally that went into it, but thankfully, you know, it went really well. As we look forward, so interestingly, our headquarters traditionally are actually in Pittsburgh, but we have less amount of people in Pittsburgh than in lots of other cities nowadays, because during the pandemic, different people for lifestyle or for other different reasons, they wanted to move. And we even beforehand embraced kind of what we call a digital first culture. So mm-hmm. I live, you know, in many different places actually throughout the year. And also for business, I'm you know flying around in lots of different locations. So we actually we're already set up and we really kind of like, it was really very seamless to go to this digital first format. So now we have people who are really all over the place and we've embraced it and we kind of compensate through doing, you know, dedicated company meetups and outings and stuff of that sort to try and get people together because definitely, you know, we put a high value on day-to-day interactions, but there's other things at play as well which includes people, you know, their lifestyle and making sure that they're happy. So yeah, so now we embrace it. We have, I mean, since then people have joined our teams from Atlanta and some in Florida, and we have our largest amount of employees are in Dallas and we embrace it. Nice. Nice. All right. Just curious, you know, how to ask, of course. So, you know, touching in and driving more towards, you know, kind of how your operations work, you know, prior to us pushing record, we were talking about essentially the layers that you had built into your operating system or your operation. So can you talk about what those are and essentially the impact that they brought to, you know, investors in the business? Sure. So as we started owning and operating multifamily properties, you know, we were constantly thinking, you know, this is a very opaque industry. It's been, you know, operated the same exact way for so long. What can we do better within our you know, properties and within our operations in order to create a better business model to two issues. First of all, to make a more consumer-centric brand within the multifamily space, which does exist to some extent, but it's lacking in a major way. And then on the other hand, is there a better way that we can drive higher risk-adjusted returns for our own investment and for investors who invest with us? And so 
you know, it was a long process and we went through a bunch of brainstorming and we hired a bunch of people who came from the hospitality field and also from the technology field because we felt that there was a need to integrate hospitality within multifamily to a certain extent. And also prop tech became, yeah, has become over the last several years, you know, a major theme within the industry. And so we kind of brought a bunch of brains together. At the end of the day, we have what we have today. We have our layers brand. So we buy a property, it's owned by HLC Equity, which is our investment arm, and we operate it through our layers brand, which is a hybrid of conventional and service departments. Conventional apartments being just you know pure multifamily, service departments being apartments where we offer services, mainly furnished apartments, not short-term Airbnb type of stuff, longer-term solid you know, tenants who are paying 100 to 200% premiums on their rent and getting a great experience. So basically we compete with extended stay hotels, but we have longer term tenants who stay with us, pay large premiums. It's a win for them. It's a win for us because when you model that out at a property, we're not talking about a large percentage. We're talking about sometimes 8% of the property, sometimes 10% of the property. Those premiums make an impact. So now we go out and we buy properties under that investment model. We have private equity groups, wealth management groups who invest alongside us as well. Private investors, high net worth individuals invest you know, alongside us. And that's one of our business strategies and kind of our value add, you could say. Yeah, very creative, very creative and interesting. And that actually leads into a good point in the discussion too, when we talk about you know, the difference between the long hold and the short term you know, hold strategies. So essentially, you know, you've kind of already explained where you stand on that, but I think it'd be really good if you expand upon that. So why are you turned off from the short hold terms? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I wouldn't say across the board, I'm against short-term holds because sometimes if there's a certain business plan and the market is shifting and, you know, you executed a business plan and you don't see a lot of value added in a long time, then it could be the right time to sell. But very generally speaking and coming from kind of like, you know, the family business background, when you look at it over the long term, the people, private individuals who have done the best in real estate have done the best because they held on for as long as they need to. They've refinanced tax-free, continued to hold on and just held on to the strong assets and gotten all the benefits, the tax benefits and, and so on and so forth, cash flow appreciation from multifamily or from other real estate assets. That is not the same as, let's say, a pension fund that does not pay capital gains tax. There, it actually makes sense. You know, They need to hit certain numbers for their plans, and so they need to sell. And so an IRR makes sense, and it makes sense that they need to sell within a five-year span. For private individuals that have to pay taxes, it doesn't make sense. And so the real estate world has kind of gotten you know, polluted, I would even say, with this idea that you have to have a five-year term because you know you have to then recycle the cash and put it in another deal. Traditionally, the families that were in real estate that did that got very wealthy did not do that. They bought solid properties, held on, refinanced, and held on for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely agree to the historical testament of that. At least, yeah, right. definitely. Now, very interesting. You're talking about you know I'm going back to kind of the creative approach that you're taking and competing against essentially extended stay hotels. So can you? kind of share with us what are some of these extra perks that you're providing, you know, in these assets that's so enticing for short-term renters essentially to pay such a high premium? Sure. hundred percent. So first of all, it sounds really easy to do like, oh, I'll just get some furniture, but <laughs> we've created a system and a process 
by bringing on some of the top people in hospitality who run this now. And they, you know, they come from the world of hospitality, corporate housing, and extended stay. And so we, we have a whole offering, but it's, you know, the furniture brings the big premiums, but along with that, people want some sort of services, right? So we offer cleaning and we offer some other side services like laundry and so forth. We also have a loyalty program called Layers Unlimited. That was mainly meant to kind of get people great perks within the area. Got a little bit sidetracked because of COVID, because a lot of those perks became all of a sudden perks that we couldn't offer. But that's definitely something that we're bringing back and we're slowly rolling out at our properties. And what we offer, so an extended stay hotel is more expensive and it's not as great of an experience. For us, they get a better price and they get to live in a beautiful multifamily property and have that resident experience as opposed to being in a hotel where people are kind of coming in and out and all of kind of like the downside associations with extended stay. Yeah, interesting. Very smart. Very smart. All right, great. Well, I think that this has been very interesting. I could dig into each one of these so much further, but then it would be a really, really long podcast episode. (laughs) So I think that everything that we kind of touched on, though, speaks very well for the business, you know, and for the industry as a whole. And, and, you know, it's it's very creative and innovative and, you know, continuing to move forward in in the direction that we are with the the current market and and needing to be creative to, you know, keep navigating our way through. All right. So last but not least, before we jump into the lightning round questions, if people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you? Yeah. So the best way to get a hold of our company is on our website. Just go to hlcequity.com. There's a contact form there. It will get, if somebody's interested in investing alongside us, it'll get straight to me and also to our investor relations team. If there is somebody who's interested, we also layers, by the way, is offered as a third party service now where it's we don't third-party manage we just bring in that incremental income from service departments and we show owners how to do that if there are owners who are interested in that they can write there as well and through our contact form whatever the subject is they can get to us and then obviously we have our hlc direct which is the platform on our website where investors you know high net worth individuals can go directly to us and invest alongside us in our transactions. And so they can go onto our website at hlcequity.com and sign up there. Awesome. All right, good. All right. So without further ado, are you ready for the lightning round question? I hope. (laughs) All right. They're really not too difficult. So the first one is, what's your favorite hobby? Skiing. It's crazy. I grew up as a skier and it's definitely by far, that's my hobby. Yeah. Nice. Good. Good to clear the mind. Yeah. All right. What book are you currently reading or, you know, would you highly recommend to our listeners? Yeah, 100%. So I'm actually reading for the second time, the book of the Reifman family, which is of Olympia in New York. And it's a very good read and it's extremely pertinent. It's a long, very long read, but it's really relevant to today because it goes through inflationary periods of times from kind of like 70s, 80s. And the book can really show you how things can go really well in real estate and they can also go really wrong if you make the wrong decisions. Interesting. All right. That sounds like a very good book to read. I'll have to look that up myself. Awesome. All right. And then last but not least, what is your advice for people that want to live and build, you know, an extraordinary life? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, well, first of all, we live in a period of time where that's more and more possible, right? Especially because everything we discussed with remote work and, you know, being able to be where you are. But I think that for me, personally, location and people are huge. So if you can live, you know, where you want to live and be with the people you want to be with, 
then I think that the sky is the limit because, you know, from there, I mean, everything else kind of just works itself out because you're happy and because you're being pushed by good people. Yeah, definitely. Good. Good counsel. I appreciate that. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today. I definitely appreciate it. It's been very interesting. Kudos on, you know, carrying the legacy forward. And, you know, I wish you the best of success as you continue to move forward. And for all of you listeners today, thank you so much for joining and tuning in. Please don't forget to like and maybe leave us a little review so we know what you'd like to hear more of. And in the words of Ellie, please continue to be strong, keep moving forward and go build your own extraordinary life. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.